0: Welcome to two gals in a glass half full. We are Dr. Jess and Dr. Bobby, two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our personal glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. On this podcast, sometimes we interview others more knowledgeable than us on different topics to teach us about things we may not know. And other times you're stuck with Dr. Jess and I sharing our knowledge and information. So make sure you hit subscribe below to stay up to date on to on all the two gals happenings. And as we get started with this episode, let's start with Dr. Jess telling us what is in your glass.
1: Well, I have uh, still my kombucha kick. So today I'm on to Mystic Mango also still has nine billion living probiotics. So why not? Yeah. Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass?
0: I am on water and I'm sad to say I have done very poorly with my water today. Um, I think I've maybe done one and a half, but that's, you got, you got to start somewhere. Some days are better.
1: (laughs) So with us today, we have a a good friend of mine. Uh, Her name is Casey. So Casey, first, before you
2: do the intro, what's in your glass? I'm also on water and I have to join your club Dr. Bobby. This is number 3 and it's it's this full and the goal is all of number 3. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, I mean you're you're getting there. Yeah.
0: Some days it happens, some days it doesn't. Yeah.
1: So we're in the month of nutrition and this is a great time to be able to talk about gluten-free and what that means, the journey to eating a gluten-free diet, why you may want to try that versus other people that may not want to try it, but really kind of kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of gluten-free can be overwhelming. So today we're going to be interviewing Casey, who has had a significant journey and has learned a lot more than even I have <laughs> along the way, which is why I pick her brain all the time about gluten-free options and where to go. So Casey, please introduce yourself, and then we'll go into some
2: uh, learning. Hey, I am Casey. I have been gluten-free eight or nine years now. I am a wife and a mother of three. I have an older daughter who's five and nine-month-old twins, and that's who I am.
1: I like it. So when did you first start eating the gluten-free diet or why why did you first start you said 8 to 9 years ago yeah
2: everyone was around me was starting to see people getting health benefits from going gluten-free. And that was on the earlier side. I wasn't cutting edge. I wasn't one of the first. Um, A lot of people have had it a lot worse than me when they first started out gluten-free. And over these eight or nine years, I've seen the products on the shelves really grow and take off. My mom is in the healthcare industry. Um, She's a personal trainer. She likes to work with physical therapists as well uh, because she's got a heart for elderly clients. And she saw one of um, the people that she knows from her wellness go through gluten-free and just feel so much better and look so much better. and, And all of these symptoms that I was describing for myself she was telling me about how it had cleared up in their life. And so she was the very first person to tell me to go gluten-free. And then when she would tell me in front of
0: other people, everyone would agree and say, yes, yes, you need to. (laughs) What were some uh, symptoms that like, you know, you're having that just you weren't making you not feel the best. That's interesting when I
2: think back on it, because when I was in it, I didn't realize how badly I was feeling. It's very interesting how a body can normalize a certain level of general pain. It's when you go to your doctor and and you're saying, oh, I'm I'm kind of achy and I'm kind of headachy and I'm kind of nauseous. And, you know, I, I don't know what's really going on. I get very tired and that feels random, please help. And and they're writing down in a little chart, general malaise, and and nobody can give you any answers. And you know it's, life shouldn't feel like that. You think life shouldn't feel like that, but you felt it for so long that you're not really sure. And when I get glutened, now my impacts and symptoms are so much more apparent, and mine presents a lot differently than a lot of other experience that I've heard. Mine is more flu-like, so I get chills, body aches, a very low-grade fever, a lot of nausea. I can have GI distress. Um, it's it's not pretty. It's not fun, and it seemed like it was worse when I went gluten-free in the very beginning, and then would get glutened. Everything seemed very heightened at that point I think I can
1: attest to that because I was similar like not like symptom wise symptoms were were different but like similar in that I just kind of felt terrible all the time that was like my baseline I mean I just like who has Pepto in like every bag they carry that's not normal like and it wouldn't even help but somehow you just feel like maybe I'll take some Pepto and that will do something or like maybe I'll take a gas X and that'll do something. I don't know any of these things that say they help with stomach aches. Mine was mainly stomach aches, just feeling awful. And, uh, and then it's like, I realized what it was by doing an elimination diet, which just means you kind of look at all of the different things that could provoke what you are feeling and eliminate one thing and then see if it changes the symptoms and then you can be pretty methodical about how you can figure out what is or is not affecting your symptoms. And then now I I, I feel great when I don't have gluten in me. And then if I push it and I do, you know, I cheat sometimes, I pay the price. I mean, I'm on my <laughs> left side, fetal position, like, don't talk to me. Yeah. Like, this is my fault. I did it to me. I willingly ate that. Um But like, it just, now it's like, I think because you're used to feeling so good that it's like, how in the world did I
2: function like this? Yeah. I don't know. And the elimination diets are so interesting because everyone was suggesting gluten and we were watching what I was eating and bagels and ramen noodles and those kinds of things have always been my favorite. There's a little bagel shop around the corner from my house and it does like this bagel with about this much cream cheese, <laughs> and then a, a really thick piece of ham, and then provolone cheese on top. None, none of it is gluten free. And I would eat that. And then my husband, he was my fiance at the time, would watch me just kind of begin almost nodding out after that meal. And that was the sure sign for me that when I tried to eliminate something, gluten was the thing. And I've had an experience where now I've had to eliminate dairy. And do I feel better? Yes. But was I extremely sick before? No. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've done elimination diet, I luckily don't have any issues with gluten. Um, so, you know, they don't have that journey. But I have I did um, whole 30. I've talked about it before. And I did find like some foods that I know bother me a lot more than others. And, um, for me, it's a little bit more about moderation. Not that I can't have it. Um, just knowing how much I can have, um, which I I'm lucky in that way, I guess for me, cause, um, but there has been certain things that I like milk, I can't have like straight milk. I don't drink. I will have like a small glass of chocolate milk once in a while. And as long as it's small, um, it's okay. But yeah, so, um, It's so interesting learning about like gluten because I just don't have those feelings, I guess. Or, you know, I haven't had that experience. It's just very different. And I think
2: lots of people could benefit from that moderation that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And when you maybe find a product in your life that is a substitution for something that is known to be inflammatory, you can put that into your diet and you can generally feel better. And Mm -hmm. it's something that you already like and you know that you like it. So you're not making any compromises. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can, I can tell you for sure that like each person is going to be different with how they digest different types of food. And so gluten-free is not for everybody by any means. And it's, it's just like some individuals might be sensitive and they just don't realize that they are like, I've Mm -hmm. thought for sure, there's no way that gluten is what's causing this until like, I actually like was feeling so bad after eating that I just wrote down, each of my meals for the fat past like five days. And I like, I was like, there's no way, like there's no way that this is the common denominator of anything. Like this is such a pain. This is so hard. <laughs> like I would have gluten for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> like I had cereal and sandwiches and pasta or pizza or, you know, like all of these foods. And I'm like, I'm going to have to change everything. This is so overwhelming. <laughs> And, and I did, because I mean, it, 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 it it was what it was like, you know, you feel bad enough that like, you need to make the change and then you feel better. So then it's worth it. I will say it's a journey to learning what things and substitutes work well with gluten free and which ones don't. Uh, And that's what people say, like, oh, gluten free bread. It's the worst. Oh, how do you eat that stuff? Like, well, some gluten free bread, I will say it's not great. I think I've tried so many different kinds, (laughs) (laughs) but there's, you know, there's newer products that are coming out. And I think a lot more businesses are becoming sensitive to it and restaurants are becoming sensitive to it. So what were some of your early struggles like early on where you were like, this is like a pain in my butt, not working.
2: I think a big early struggle for myself was becoming afraid of food, because of what it did to my body. And that's such a weird process to go in your brain, thinking, food is a scary thing. And at the same time, I definitely need to eat food. And my tactic, my strategy to overcome the fear was to take complete control of my own diet, and only eat whole foods. And Whole30 wasn't widely available at that time. I don't even think that word was there for me eight or nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have a plan to subscribe to or a bunch of recipes laid out. Um, Keto hadn't come in fashion uh, to any major mainstream extent then. So what I was looking at, or maybe it's possible that I wasn't, invested in the wellness realm, to the extent that allowed me to understand about those whole 30 and keto and other diets that actually would have gotten me on the right track. So I just started eating vegetables and fruits and meats. And that was it. I threw my hands up and said, I don't know how to do this. This is too hard. I can't read every label and decipher what is actually in it and what contains gluten. I have no idea. So I just, I just avoided it for months. And then I found a community, you know, I branched out, they kind of gently told me what were some good things. And, and it was interesting to be so young in the process of, of going gluten free because when i tried baked goods i was saying oh these are very awful and then 5 years later i've changed my mind to well they're okay they're not my favorite but they're fine they'll do and that was not my answer in the beginning um the, so that was a huge struggle and and what i know is available now on the bottom of labels is this little statement that says contains And it's actually regulated. And I want to say it's the FDA who says, when you are making food, you have to put this statement that says contains the top eight allergens. And so if you've got one of those that you're avoiding, you can skip all those ingredients and go to the contain statement, and it'll also give you a warning if it's a dedicated facility or not a dedicated facility, right there. You know, so certified gluten free is one step um, in, you know, in the process, and that's a very high standard. And then there's not containing gluten, which is you know, which is a lower step.
1: Yeah, I think making sure that when you're doing pre-made stuff like that, it. Like reading the labels is actually pretty key i've I've made that mistake before where it you know like early on with like pasta, for example, and it, it was not it was not actually gluten free uh, when you looked at the label, it was actually like one of maybe like the fourth ingredient and so I was like this isn't this uh, okay, well, anyway, back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> so learning stuff like this is actually super helpful because it makes you more efficient when you're in the grocery store or if you're trying to order something online to be delivered, like different things that you can kind of say, okay, I can trust this. I don't have 30 minutes per product to try and figure this out. I've got a week's worth of groceries I've got to shop for or a meal plan for. So um, so that goes into into meal planning. So like, how do you use some of the gluten-free products that are pre-made in order to help just with time efficiency because they're like eating all you know just vegetables and fruits I mean usually they have to be cooked there's like prep you know it can be a little bit tough to actually stick to that for like three meals a day uh, so like how do you kind
2: of get some prep done ahead of time I would say when I'm prepping and I'm in the grocery store, you know, turning it around and looking at that contained statement is the biggest time saver that I have to give to anybody. And I can't say that I'm necessarily meal prepping at this time because I'm such a big cook that prep in advance. I've tried it and it doesn't work for me from a satisfaction and a satiety standpoint. I'm just not that person. So I can eat the same breakfast every day, five days a week. It does not not bother me. I can make the same sandwich for lunch. I can bring it all week long. It doesn't bother me. When we come down to dinner, feeding myself, my family, I want to make something. I want to cook something. And so I'm looking for something that I do right there on the spot that's 20 to 30 minutes. And normally what that looks like If I have more time, as it looks like, cooking rice or cooking rice ahead, freezing it and pulling it, I like to put it in little Tupperware things, or using potatoes, I like to use those for my, you know, carb, big, heavy carb piece. Now, Barilla, you know, will make a gluten-free pasta. So there's so many certified gluten-free pastas out on the market right now. It's, It's wonderful. And- once you look into gluten-free, you'll see this little circle. It says C certified gluten-free. And and once you see that that little emblem one time, you start to pick it out as you're going through, let's say like the frozen foods, because now I know which meatballs are the ones that I can just pick up because they're certified gluten-free. And I know that I can put them in some pasta sauce for my family. Everybody's going to eat it.
1: Yeah, I think having some of that like pre- like the pre-made stuff is like such a time saver. Uh, I like doing like the baggies, like you said, with like doing the rice ahead of time. Because like even like even cooking rice on a weeknight, there's still the extra step of like getting the rice to cook. It's something else to clean on top of whatever you're going to put with the rice. So at least having one step done can be huge, Uh, you know, like any time save that you can do is going to make it more likely that you'll stick to it as well. Uh, so I really, I love that. Um, now when it comes to different uh, products outside of like the gluten-free, right. Um, but like products that are gluten-free, like think of like, like bread, pasta, like what are some other things that people might not think, Hmm, this is a pretty gluten heavy type product. Um, so like what would what would you consider those categories?
2: The ones that tend to surprise people are sauces, specifically soy sauce because it's called soy sauce, and then you don't really find much soy in there. It's generally speaking, it says water, wheat, and that one's that one's huge. There's also a lot of thickeners in other kinds of sauces. So if you're looking at a a marinade sauce, Barbecue sauces are pretty good about it, but I would say any pre-made sauce, you're going to want to check extra well instead of just making an assumption. And soups and creamy things that are thick, generally people are trying to thicken those with just flour it can be done with cornstarch if you're you know cook you just make a little slurry and you can do it yourself without wheat but most restaurants are just going to use the flour that they've got on hand and and pour that in there
0: what are some of um you know i know you said on the back of the labels there they have the gluten-free or contains what are some of the words like for someone that may just be starting like the popular words to also look for as like keys that it may contain some gluten in there. I know you've said like wheat, Um, is it all types of flour or is there certain flours that are okay? There
2: are certain grains that are okay. And so we'll use grains to make flours. So you have sorghum, millet, they'll make grains out of quinoa, rice is a really, popular one corn's a really popular one so all of those things you know they'll say rice flour and rice flour doesn't mean rice plus wheat flour put together mm-hmm. it just means rice ground into flour so you can you know you can trust that that can be fine chickpeas are something they're using to be gluten-free you'll see a, a lot of things like wheat and caramel flavoring is another one of those tricky ones where they can use you know wheat derived sources. And I'm not sure in what part of that, but caramel flavoring um, is one of the trickier ones. And it's such a little amount. I don't, I don't recall what the legality is with the contained statement. That's why people with a serious um, celiac diagnosis or some kind of an anaphylactic allergy, some, some people need to go only with certified gluten free. Because if oats don't contain gluten inherently, they still could have rotated the crops on those fields. And there could be a certain amount of other grain mixed in with that oat that you don't want to get if you've got some kind of anaphylaxis Mm -hmm. or celiac disease diagnosed.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a big difference between an intolerance and sensitivity than like Mm -hmm. full on allergy. And I mean, I think one thing that happens is that unless you have celiac, what used to be kind of thought of as being gluten free was like, well, unless you have celiac, you don't need to be gluten free. Well, gluten can be inflammatory in a lot of different in a lot of different ways for different people. And so it's widely been shown that doing an elimination diet and just eliminating gluten and sticking to that for X period of time and monitoring symptoms that it can be helpful with management of symptoms. Now it's not going to be end all be all to managing all different types of symptoms. It is something to be aware of though. I mean, even when somebody is in a flare for rheumatoid arthritis, they've, I've, I've read research where they put them on a gluten-free diet to calm the flare down because of the inflammation that can be going on. And so understanding how food can be medicine, but food can also be harmful so it can work in both directions. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't, it's not to say, oh, it's always terrible. Just for some people, it's more inflammatory than others. And just being aware of that. Uh, one of the ways where I struggle with gluten is because I, I like being able to grab a granola bar because it's so quick. I can keep it in my bag. If I'm hungry, it hits the spot, uh, but I really have to be mindful of looking <laughs> at the ingredients in a granola bar. Same thing. I mean, they also have a lot of high, fru- high fructose corn syrup. So I actually do make my own gr- granola bars oftentimes and just freeze them because it is kind of hard to find. Uh, there, are some, there are some that are good though. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you just be a little bit surprised between sauces, uh, you know, soy sauce, granola bars. It's not just bread and pasta. It's in more products than just those. And, you know, just having that awareness, I think is helpful. Um, and keep monitoring symptoms. <laughs> and in case you do get symptoms, be like, what did I just eat? I've done that. I, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> well, like, I was feeling fine. And then I'll look back and I'm like, I mean, all I had was, and then I'll, you know, like at a restaurant, shrimp and grits. I'm like, it was over rice. Like, what's the deal? It's the roux sauce. I have gotten messed up by sauces so many times um, until I started like, you know what? Let's make the connection here. I bet that (laughs) more than one
2: kind of sauce. Uh, (laughs) So, I've been surprised by potato chips more than once. Ah, yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: So yeah, just, uh, yeah. But you learn, you learn, and then you keep on going. Uh, So when, so that brings us to restaurants, because that's where it's like, it's in someone else's hands. Uh, So what are your strategies at a restaurant?
2: My strategies, I was a lot more worried in the beginning, because I would try to go to the same restaurants that I used to eat at, coming at it, from a completely different perspective. And now I do a a little bit of research beforehand and I'll look at their menu. And I think the experience of cooking for myself gluten-free for a little while allowed me to know which kinds of dishes were naturally gluten-free. So if I just got a recipe, minimal substitutions in that recipe would make it gluten-free or no substitutions at all. And That would allow me to look through a menu and say, I can see about three things that I will specifically ask about. um, And I expect to be able to eat at least one of them. And there are a lot of restaurants these days that just cater to Mm gluten-free. We've got lots of wonderful local chains to Jacksonville, Florida, and there's lots of national chains that do it too. And national chains will always have a binder. 100% of the time, a national chain will have a binder they can hand you and you can go through it and you can see the allergens listed out. Sometimes Mm. they're starting to point you to websites post COVID, but they've got that binder. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I like it. I think, again, like learning from others journey, hopefully this can speed up some people that do want to be gluten-free or newly gluten-free. It'll help speed them up in the journey of trying to figure out what to ask because uh, like, I mean, not, you know, not everybody knows if you're like, Oh, is this dish gluten-free? The server may or may not actually know the answer to that. And depending on the restaurant, if you, Hey, can you ask the chef? They may or may not realize exactly what all that means. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't. I don't, I don't think people are trying to be harmful when they're serving food It's just sometimes I think there's a little bit of a lack of understanding of what, how much, you know, like if they weren't part of the process of making that roux sauce, they were only in the process of like the other steps in the dish. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this dish is definitely gluten-free. I mean, I'm not sure, Uh, but I've, I've definitely encountered many times if I ask, is this a gluten-free, uh, you know,
0: in this roux sauce and they look at me like,
1: who are you? What, what are you, I'm like.
0: I'm sorry. It's kind of how I would be. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I've never had to look for it. I've never had to. So I just, I wouldn't know. And if someone asked me, I'd be like, oh, can I can't read the package? Uh, you know, like, it's definitely, it's not, Um, I feel like if you're not, if it hasn't like affected you or someone that you know, um, kind of like like a peanut allergy. I know I have a friend whose daughter has a very severe peanut allergy, and man, they all know like everything. You know that could be with the peanuts. Um, so I've learned more about like that. But still, like if you're not surrounded by it, um, it's sometimes it's really hard. Like you just, yeah, you you you're, and you also go off of what the package says or go off of what someone else says and don't truly know. And you're absolutely right. If you're at a restaurant and you have a
2: server who's not confident about their answers. It is okay to ask for somebody else to help you eat there, or it's okay to not want to engage in that interaction and go somewhere else. Mm
0: -hmm. It's not
2: worth it to get sick. I just had to look at someone who was serving me in a restaurant I eat at a lot. And I was asking a new question about a new item that I wanted to try. And I had to say to them, I'm not asking you to go off the top of your head. I'm asking you to check. Mm and they did they went into the back and they checked and they were careful with me and i was able to eat the new thing and it was it was great and so i think compassion and kindness with the front person who isn't involved in making the food but directness and and you know calmness and authority in needing that and it being okay for you to have a need that you're not used to that you may be uncomfortable with That's real and true.
1: Yeah. And like I said, it's okay to tell somebody like, it's okay if you don't know the answer. Like, just can you ask? Like, you know, like, like, you can tell me, I don't know. I say that on a regular basis. I'm like, I'm not sure. Let's go figure it out. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah. So like letting them be okay and not knowing, like, it's okay that you don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. See if we don't, if we both don't know, then let's figure it out. (laughs) So like, you know, be nice about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not everybody's an expert in every single thing. Plenty of stuff I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So now this brings you through, you know, through your journey. You've obviously you're, like learned a lot along the way. Now I want
2: to hear about Casey's Kitchen. What is this? <laughs> so I, like many people in, in this gluten-free community, I was unexcited about the sandwich bread that I was getting, the loaves that were in the supermarkets, they were dry and crumbly and they were sticking together in their bag. And they were, you know, on top of that, very expensive. So I was paying for something expensive that I wasn't enjoying very much. I had one brand and one variation of this brand that I really, really like. And it's at the faraway grocery store. So you know it was a whole extra trip for me that it was just it was just feeling overwhelming to just eat high quality good bread. So I said to myself, I can do this better. And I committed and I, I started this little sourdough starter and then a hurricane hit and I had to protect my little starter and I got very attached to it. I gave it a name. It was a whole thing. And so, you know, I, I love this little thing and, and, all, and all of that. So I started baking for myself and my friends were very interested. Um, they were excited by it. And I tried to keep giving away my starter like here, you do it, you try it, please bake. This is great. Nobody wanted to bake not a, per- not a single person. And my one friend that I really thought would get into it and keep it alive and, and get, jump into this with me. Her starter died after three days. <laughs> I think she accidentally froze it.
0: <laughs> oh, no.
2: So nobody wanted to do starters with me. So I said, okay, well, and, and, and people kept saying, but I'll buy your bread, but I'll buy your muffins, but I'll buy your, and finally, after them saying this to me for so long, I said, okay. Okay, then I'll just sell it to you. Okay, I will bake it and I will sell it to you. So mm-hmm. I've done sourdough loaves a lot, and those I would say are my flagship item. I love them. I've always got a loaf in my own freezer. Um, I I slice my personal loaf up and then put it into my freezer immediately because I think it toasts super super well. Um, and I've made you know the muffins and the cookies and the scones, uh, a lot of other there was a pumpkin spice cake. There's just been a a lot of really fun treats. Um, what I would, what I say my loaf is my flagship item. My sourdough loaf is because what I want to provide to our gluten-free community here locally in Jacksonville is I want to provide a nutritious and wholesome loaf of bread that they can eat. (laughs) My, my kitchen personally is not certified gluten-free not dedicated gluten-free people in my home also eat gluten and I've had some very highly sensitive people eat in my home um or even purchase from me and they have never had any problems because when you're in the community you make the gluten-free friends and then you cook for them and they cook for you and all those things um so even before I was professionally focused in taking enhanced measures, I was not poisoning my friends. <laughs> um, so I, I want a high quality, nutritious um, loaf of bread that people are excited to eat. That is, you know, lovingly homemade and just way fresher than anything you could get from the grocery store. And I want to offer that at a competitive price to the grocery store because just because it's small batch, just because it's almost one-on-one made, that doesn't mean it has to be this much more than the competition in terms of price.
1: Yeah. I can attest that they're all good. (laughs) so the the this is the only bread i eat ever now uh just because it it is so good and you know at this point i'm spoiled and i can't go back to something that was that was made you know somewhere else i i'm just too spoiled but at um at christmas time the cookies i was like yeah (laughs) So so good yeah I do try and limit my sweets and I try not to overdo it. Moderation is key with these cookies, though. It was great because I didn't have to be careful about my stomach. Just careful about the calories mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, so that was like, normally I'm like, I'll eat one. Hopefully I don't get sick. And then it's like, well, if these are like gluten free and like, you know, actually like good quality nutrients in it. It's like. I could justify more than one. (laughs) It's
2: the holidays. (laughs) yeah. And I feel like homemade and and higher quality ingredients. I, I always aim for organic ingredients and I'm always trying to use a blend of flowers. So you're not just getting straight brown rice or straight buckwheat or straight sorghum. You know, you're going to get that nice blend but I feel like it's more satisfying. So one cookie is going to hit my stomach differently than one pre-packaged Oreo cookie. You, you know how big those are. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yes. I absolutely agree. Awesome. Well, Casey, we definitely appreciate you coming on. We really appreciate all the information as far as like gluten-free. It's not a ton of like recipes by any means. You can look up gluten-free recipes on Pinterest all over the place. This is more about that big picture of like, how do we even start with being gluten-free or how do I maybe make my life a little bit easier with some tips and tricks for gluten-free diet? Uh, So if you want to learn more about Casey's Kitchen, we will have all of the content listed in the episode description to make sure that everybody stays up to date with what's going on there. And to be, I want to make sure I, I say this right. So you do not ship. This is just a, a locally
2: in Jacksonville, correct? I do not ship. It's going to be the freshest it is when you get it in your hands. And I also want to make sure when you're checking out that description and you're reaching out to me, make sure to mention two gals for $10 sourdough loaves as an introductory price for the listeners. Oh, I, I like you
1: all of that will be great for our listeners especially the ones here in Jacksonville <laughs> other news is that we uh you know do have our our group two gals insiders so I always like to make sure that we announce the two gals insiders fun stuff coming up this year. We have all sorts of great additions to the membership, including weekly workouts, uh, more information that's going to be based on like mindfulness and toxin-free products, other product recommendations, uh, just kind of how to include mindfulness into activity, into that balanced lifestyle. And how can we juggle all of this And that's the two gals Insiders. We're just trying to keep everybody supported. (laughs) We're supporting ourselves. Uh, (laughs) So the other thing is just to remember, we are on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Check us out for updated information, content. We're trying to always keep things fresh and fun and kind of focused on that positive energy. Looking at that glass is half full. So we look forward to the next month of information, which we're going into... April, which I believe is stress awareness. And so that's going to be a really, really good topic. I love stress awareness. All right, everybody stay tuned for more.